Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. The defense of Tomlinson. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today was another really busy day. Um, you guys have probably heard about this already, but there's an alliance, as we kind of figured there would be, between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC. Um, I went up to Boulder this morning because there was football practice. Uh, had a chance to catch up with Guy Thomas, uh, which was a good time. Uh, but then after that, we went straight into the uh, media call for the uh, three commissioners who lead those three conferences that have the alignment. Alliance, sorry, it's been a really long day. And uh, from there, uh, Rick George had a press conference right after. Um, so there's actually a lot of information to get to today. Um, we're going to start by going through all of the... Uh, Alliance stuff and what that means and why it matters and, you know, why they didn't actually sign a piece of paper, which you probably have heard. People are not happy about that. Um, But if we get through that in time, we'll talk a little bit about what I learned from Guy Thomas. It was like a it was a fun conversation. Um, He's from Miami, went to Nebraska, uh, wound up at a community college in Mississippi, and then uh, obviously at the University of Colorado in Boulder playing for the Buffs. Um, he said he'd like never seen mountains before. He's about to become the uh, first member of his family to get a college degree. It was fun. There was a lot that we had to talk about. But because there's so much else to talk about, might have to hold off on that for... Well, the thing is, like, tomorrow's going to be busy too. So I might as well say this now. Uh, typically on Tuesdays, we have McChesney on the podcast, but the scheduling just didn't work out. Um, so the plan is to have McChesney on the podcast tomorrow, on Wednesday. Um, 
also tomorrow is the what do they call it? like the front range media luncheon. So they take the uh, the coaches from all of the front range football programs. So Colorado, Colorado State, Air Force, Mines. I think that's it. Oh, Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado is the big one. I knew that there was one more. Um, get a chance to talk with all the coaches tomorrow. Hear from a bunch of the players, too. Um, I'm actually not sure who Colorado is sending. Um, but that's tomorrow as well. So I'm not really sure what the plan is. There's just too many things to do and not enough podcasts in a week. Um, but we'll talk with McChesney tomorrow. We'll talk about that luncheon at some point in the next couple of days because I'll be back up in Boulder Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And then we have that uh, tailgate on Sunday, which we've plugged before. Might as well plug it again. Florida State game. Last one was wild. Uh, 2019. Um, 2019. Colorado lost that one in overtime, 3-2, to two, but it was just a mess. There's like seven yellow cards, I think. Um, it was a crazy game and Colorado almost upset them. Now they're back this time in Boulder, number one team in the country. And they also have basically like the Heisman winner of women's soccer from last year who plays at, uh, she's, she's from Colorado plays at Florida state. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I know that you guys are probably like a little bit rusty when it comes to tailgating. So we're going to get this knocked out on Sunday so that we're all ready to go on Friday for the North northern colorado game um but yeah busy time really busy time so let's not waste any more time and let's talk about this alliance but first a little bit more on the colorado xos um if you go to infinity park at glendale.com slash events you'll get to see a whole bunch of really cool things that are coming up at uh the infinity park in, in glendale um it's uh, where the rugby team plays. The Colorado XOs presenting sponsor of this podcast. And um, they have a bunch of really cool things on the way, including movie nights. Um, August 30th, they have The Croods, A New Age. Uh, September 13th, they've got Disney Pixar's Soul. Um, I don't know who the Drunken Hearts are, but I guess they're a band that's going to be there on the 16th. Uh, so they have they have some cool stuff coming up. Go check that out. It's a great place, and uh, we like them because they make this podcast possible. All right. Um, oh, those movies are outside, by the way, which is always fun. Um, let's just jump right in. So the alliance. Like I said, it's an alliance between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC. This was kind of brewing for a week or a couple weeks, really, um, and then yesterday, I think it was Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic who reported it first, uh, saying they're basically going to finally announce this tomorrow. Um, you may be wondering what this alliance means. And I think that there's a lot of people who are wondering that, including potentially the people who are part of the alliance. Um, there, were, there was some disappointment today. Um, some people kind of like mocking the alliance um, because they didn't actually announce any plans to do anything. So we're going to start there. Um, I want to say that, yeah, it would have been a lot of fun if they came out and said, we're going to start getting rid of some of our conference games and having alliance games instead. And 
that is something we're going to announce and it's going to start in 2022. Yeah, something like that would have been really exciting. It would have been really tough to do, though, because the alliance was just formed today. Um, and so expecting them to have, you know, if you can't expect a group to have significant changes to announce the same day that the group is announced. You know, I, I think that while maybe they could have just not even announced that this was happening and waited until they came to some decisions, but you might as well just say what's going on, say that we're doing this, whatever. The point is, it's not that big of a surprise. I don't think that there was nothing revolutionary. It's definitely a little bit disappointing. I was hoping that they'd have some crazy thing that they were ready to roll out, um, but no. They have the, the 41 athletic directors and presidents of the the schools that are a part of those three conferences and they're going to begin meeting and working on all of the different things that they want to get done in, in their words to preserve college athletics and do what's best for college athletics. Um, and there's a bunch of reasons that they're doing that right now. And we'll get into those in a couple of minutes. Um, before I forget, I think it's worth noting that Notre Dame is a part of the Alliance in all things except for football. So similar to the way that they're a part of the ACC, which kind of makes sense considering the ACC is part of the alliance. Um, another another piece that people, again, were kind of mocking. And if you look all this stuff back, it's like there was even a question today um, that was basically like, you know, uh, Paul Feinbaum, who you guys may know from like the SEC network and all that stuff, he says that this is just a response to what the SEC is doing. Like, what's your response to that? And it's like, okay, guess what? The SEC guy decided to make this about the SEC. Now, would this have happened if not for the Oklahoma and Texas move to the SEC? Probably not. At least probably not, like, this quickly and this, like, directly. But I kind of believe them when they say this isn't about the SEC. Um it's not about saying, oh, the SEC is getting away from us. We got to find a way to bounce back. I think that that part definitely doesn't hurt, um, but I don't really think that that's kind of the focus here. Um, and the other thing that, again, just kind of all over Twitter, people are like, well, there's not even any like paperwork. Like you guys didn't even like sign a document. Can't anybody like back out whenever? It's like, yeah, but what was that piece of paper going to say? That like we all agree that we're all going to go to a meeting once a month. Like, I guess you could make everybody sign that piece of paper, but it's like, no, let's just, <laughs> let's just have the meetings. Because again, as of right now, there are no real like tangible changes to anything. There's now a group that is working to decide whether there should be changes. Should there be, uh, there will be some sort of scheduling alliance. And I guess that's the one thing we know. But in terms of that, we don't even know the details about it. Are you playing? Is a Pac-12 team playing an ACC and Big Ten team every year? That stuff still needs to be sorted out. Um, and we'll talk about some of that later on. Um, but just as kind of we get into this, again, if you look back kind of at where the anti-alliance stuff is starting, a lot of it's coming from down south. You know, when you see a reporter say, oh, they didn't even sign a contract, maybe click on the reporter's bio and say, hmm, where where is this guy from? Is he from Georgia? Because guess what? There may be just a little bit of bias there. You know, to me, I think that it was put together pretty well. I think that it does make sense. 
Um, and I just don't really think that you can judge any of it until you see what they actually come up with. Um, so yeah, there's kind of the introduction. Um, the other thing I want to touch before we move into like what this could mean, what I hope it means, and what it probably means, all that kind of stuff, what the scheduling alliance looks like, I want to go through a few of the things that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the ACC sent out in the press release announcing this this morning. First of all, unanimously supported by all presidents, chancellors, athletic directors from the 41 schools. Not really a surprise there. Um, kind of saying like the goal... They, again, a lot of this stuff is pretty vague, but saying... I don't even know if it's bag or vague. I know that it's bag and not bag now, but... Does that apply there? I don't know. Point is, um, it's a collaborative approach surrounding the future evolution of college athletics and scheduling. Um, they'll be guided by, in all cases, a commitment to and prioritization of supporting student-athlete well-being, academic and athletic opportunities, um, experiences, and diverse educational programming. The three conferences are grounded in their support of broad-based athletic programs, the collegiate model, and opportunities for student-athletes as part of the educational missions of the institutions. Um, so the three conferences remain competitors in every sense, but are committed to collaborating and providing thought leadership on various opportunities and challenges facing college athletics, including, and here's kind of the list, student-athlete mental and physical health, safety, wellness, and support. Strong academic experience and support. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Social justice. Gender equity. Future structure of the NCAA. Federal legislative efforts. Postseason championships and future formats. Um, they said, you know, I guess there are kind of some key points in here. We'll, we'll come back to some of these points as we talk about what the scheduling alliance looks like and all that kind of stuff. Um... But a couple of those last points are probably the most interesting. You know, future structure of the NCAA. What does that mean? Well, in case you hadn't noticed, NCAA kind of fallen out of favor over the course of the last, like, decade or so. Um, on top of that, you've got some of the court cases where the judgments have gone against the NCAA. Um, you've got, uh, you know, they mentioned gender equity in that list. There was the whole big deal about the women's basketball national championship tournament, whatever they call it. Well, I guess now they call it March Madness. Could not call it that before, though. Um, and so with all those things going on with the NCAA, again, what is the NCAA? It is a, a governing body that all of the NCAA institutions decided to put in power. Well, how do they fix the NCAA or come up with a replacement or whatever they need to work together to do that, and I do think that that is a key piece of this alliance is figuring out what exactly the future of the NCAA looks like. Do you just tear it down and start another group? And again, it's not like this is anti-SEC, which again is how the SEC media and all of those sorts of people are kind of painting. Not, not all of them. A lot of them are kind of painting it as like this anti-SEC thing. It's like, eh, no. It's working together to do this part and maybe didn't necessarily want all the SEC voices and all of the things that are happening because they kind of go and do their own thing anyway. Um, but to, to, to replace the NCAA, you need to have 
uh, basically your 41 of your, what, 65 power institutions come together and figure out what that looks like. And eventually you're going to need to work with the SEC and you're going to need to work with the the smaller conferences, D2 and D3, but this is kind of how that starts is with this alliance going through and saying, hey, what what is salvageable, what is not, what do we need from the governing body, all that kind of stuff. Um, on top of that, you know, the next thing they list, federal legislative efforts. Um, I think that probably the top of the list is NIL because there's still no federal law about name, image, and likeness. And because of that, every school just has to follow its state law. And those are all very different, and it gives advantages to some schools, and that kind of needs to change. And the NCAA has not been able to work with the government to try to put legislation through because they have whatever going on in their world. Um, But kind of taking some of that out of the NCAA's hands and saying, we're just going to do this over here and figure it out. And and that's not the only thing. There's plenty of other stuff that they'll be working on throughout all of this. Um, but that probably is the top of the list at the moment. Um, and then, finally, the last point here, and maybe the one that is the best leaping off point for all of this, postseason championships and future formats. Now, like I said, there's there's plenty to talk about in a bunch of different sports. Brought up the uh, March Madness thing with the women's tournament. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be talking about that, changing that, all those sorts of things. Hey, did you guys know it's the 15-year anniversary since Pluto became not a planet anymore? Just found that out. Um, but the the <laughs> wow the the one championship that is kind of drawing all the attention college football playoff and we'll expand on that in just a second want to say though if you're not a member of dmvr well you can uh, find a condensed version of all of my thoughts about this written on that website right now on top of that if you sign up for a year-long membership use the code camp 2021 you'll get a 60 dollars gift card just for signing up you can use that to get shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff it's cool stuff um and you know nate lamenshire on the way now's the time to jump in also uh breckenridge brewery they help us out so much you know the tailgate that we're holding sunday morning well breckenridge brewery is giving us all the beers to make that happen and so that means that like for us when it comes to throwing a tailgate it's like what do we need to do well we got to get a tent Need some snacks, some some games, probably some plastic cups for some beer pong and that sort of thing. Um, but what we don't have to do is buy hundreds of beers because that would make it a lot harder to throw this tailgate. That's where Breckenridge comes in. That's why we love them so much because they help us do the things that we want to do. And the least you could do is come and drink a bunch of the free beers that they're giving us. And then, you know, go buy some Breckenridge brews for yourself because they're really good and uh, luckily, we're giving you a chance to try all of them Sunday morning at 9.30. It's going to be a great morning. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to be like a mess, but there's going to be some drinking going down. Um, yeah, they, they, they have a bunch of great stuff going on. Uh, giving 1% of the profits over the summer to uh, 
the National Parks Conservation Association, but again, just making so much of what we want to do at DMVR possible. Um, and supporting our partners is the best way to support us. Also, finally, Solace Meds. Um, fairly new partner of ours still. Um, they've got, it's a dispensary, one of the best dispensaries in Colorado. Um, and they have locations in four different places in Colorado. Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one that's a few blocks away from the DMVR bar on East Colfax. Uh, there's a bunch of awesome deals for the month of August. Uh, if you haven't looked at your calendar recently, there's only like a week left, so make sure that you take advantage of these before the deals flip over into new deals, which I'm sure will also be great. But if any of these sound good, now's the time to get in there. Um, here they are. Dixie Elixirs are two for $30. That's D-Line's favorite. Uh, Spectra is 20% off. Ripple's 25% off. Silver Shelf Flower is 15% off. Connoisseur Shelf Concentrates are 15% off. And if you go into any of those four locations, you can get a free Solace Bar or free King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. Plus, obviously, if you use the code DNVR20 when you like order online and... That makes it super easy to just go pick it out. You just put in DMVR20 when you check out. You get 20% off every single time. So it's not like a one-time use. You don't have to think like, oh, I'm only spending like 20 bucks. I might go back and blow, blow like triple digits next time. I'm going to hold off. No, you get that 20% off every single time and on top of those other deals that I just mentioned. Um, seriously, a great place. They've got great reviews. You should definitely check those out if you're on the fence. Um, but go to solacemeds.com, purchase from there, S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. And then when you order online, use that code DMVR20, get 20% off every single purchase and get your free Solace Bar or King Cone. All right. Uh, so the college football playoff. Uh, you'll remember that this spring basically... It wasn't totally set in stone that this was expanding from four teams to 12 teams, but through like the preliminary discussions, it seemed like that was probably the decision that was going to be made. There is another meeting that's still scheduled for about a month from now. Um, at the time, it, it didn't seem like a technicality. We knew that there'd be little tweaks and there'd be discussions and that kind of stuff, but it did seem very likely that there was going to be a vote basically to uh, approve this new model. Um, and then from there, there's other challenges, you know, the TV deal. What does that look like? How can you make some tweaks there? Um, some of that kind of stuff. When, when are you actually feasibly able to implement it? Some of those conversations. Well, since that point, there have been some, some changes to the college football landscape. Not sure if you guys have noticed. Um, the biggest, obviously, being Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, and that changes a lot of things in a lot of different ways. I think it's easy just to kind of look at it now and say, okay, well, does like this basic 12-team plan still even make sense? And that plan was we're going to have the six highest-ranked conference champions and the six highest-ranked non-conference champions. And then those 12 teams are going to make up the playoff. Now... You look at the conferences and say, are we really going to have six conferences with champions worthy of getting into the college football playoff? Because the truth is, before, you were probably going to say, eh, it's probably 50-50 that there's a sixth team you really want in there. Because that sixth team, obviously, you have the Power Five conferences. You wind up with the SEC champion, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big 12. 
and then one other from one of the smaller conferences. And about half the time, it's going to be a team where you're like, yep, guess what? This is a team that deserves to at least have a chance, even though they're still probably going to get just beat up by Bama or whoever they play. Well, now you look at the Big 12 and say, how often are you relying on the Big 12 to give you a team that you expect to belong um, now that they don't have Oklahoma and Texas? And it changes the math a little bit. Because now you're saying, are we letting two teams in that we don't like? And, you know, that little piece you could probably work through and figure out whether you could just tweak that part and make it work. But that is one of the many problems that, that this plan is now facing. And on top of that, you have to think back to, you know, the Pac-12 really wasn't involved in these discussions when they happened in the first place. Because George Klyovkov was a month or two away from taking over as commissioner. Uh, Larry Scott was like a lame duck at that point. And so the effort that he put in to doing what's best for the Pac-12 could be questioned, as well as, you know, it's Larry Scott and people don't necessarily want him making those decisions in the first place. Um, George Klyovkov has said uh, at Pac-12 Media Day that he exports or supports expanding the playoff, but doesn't necessarily know that this is the way to do it. And he mentioned specifically saying, I think the Pac-12 should have a guarantee that its champion is in. And it'd be rare that you would have a situation where the Pac-12 champion isn't one of the six highest-ranked champions. But those sorts of details, Pac-12 just wasn't included. Um, and so they just want a seat at the table. Um, on top of that, uh, you have the Big 12 kind of claiming that... I mean, not kind of claiming. Let me just grab this quote because it's not kind of at all. Uh, but uh, the, the commissioner of the Big 12, back when all this Oklahoma-Texas stuff was going down... Um, about a month ago said, I have absolute certainty that they, meaning ESPN, have been involved in manipulating other conferences to go after our members. Um, and that was when they sent like a cease and desist to ESPN because they thought that they were running things behind the scenes. Now, we don't know if that's true, but a lot of the things that have happened over the last few months in the college football landscape seem to really benefit ESPN. Um because they have the SEC rights, and now they get these teams. They've had like the Longhorn Network deal and all that, all that kind of stuff. But on top of that, when you talk about expanding the college football playoff, the timeline is not... Uh, first, I guess the easiest way to say it is it's not all that exciting because it's tough to do before 2026. Because right now, the college football playoff media rights deal, it runs through 2025. ESPN has the exclusive rights to the college football playoff. And there's a line in the contract that basically says, if the college football playoff is expanded before this deal expires, then ESPN is going to get the rights to those games, and what they're going to pay isn't what they probably should be paying for games that are that important. Um, or get that many viewers, I guess. Um I believe it was something like 120% of just like average regular season game rate. College football playoff games are going to be getting way more views than that. And so you're basically just handing all of this money to ESPN. Um, that's why I think there's a push specifically, it sounds like, from George Klyovkov to say, let's not rush this. Let's wait until we can actually bring this whole product to market and, you know, go from there. 
uh, see what offers we can get instead of giving this to them. Because you know, there's things like, I mean, those 12 teams, I guess the eight teams that wouldn't typically be in that college football playoff. Now, all of a sudden, say two of them are Pac-12 teams. Well, those two Pac-12 teams, one was going to be playing in the Rose Bowl. One was going to be playing in the Alamo Bowl. And sure, yes, you'd much rather, if you're the Pac-12, have them on that national stage. And in the long run, you'll probably get more money for having them there. But right now, all of a sudden, that means you're sending whatever team to the Rose Bowl, um, your third best team. It's not going to get the same ratings than it typically would. You're going to lose money because of that. And you aren't getting all that much money in return because of how this current contract is written. Now, there's a bunch of details in there and there's a bunch of other factors and all that. Um, but for that reason, and with everything else going on and accusations that ESPN is kind of in bed with ESPN or sorry, with the, the SEC and some of these sorts of things, it's like, OK, let's just put a pause on all this um, because on top of all, all this stuff we've already talked about. There's a good chance that over the course of the next couple of years, there's more teams that are switching conferences. And so if you say, okay, well, let's just change it to five conference champions right now. We'll make it work. We'll figure out how to make more money in 2026. Well, let's just do this because it's going to be good for the sport. It's going to be fun. Well, who knows in 2026, there might just be like three power conferences and each has like 30 teams. And you're saying, well, why are we inviting so many of these others? Or, you know, things could spread out or whatever. Who knows what's going to happen? And that's why with all of these changes in college football across so many levels and the fact that you're signed to this deal for a few more years anyway, there's no rush. And I think that there's just kind of going to be a pause here. Um, and, and George Klyovkov, when he was asked about this stuff today in, in that media call, here's what he had to say. The Pac-12 is 100% in favor of the expansion of the college football playoff. But there are some issues at the margins. The expansion is going to happen. At this point, you know, before I kind of thought it was like 50-50. It'd either probably be like 2023 or 2026. Now it's probably just going to be 2026. And yeah, that kind of sucks as a college football fan because it's going to be a lot of fun when it happens. The reasoning behind all of this, um, it, it makes it makes sense. And I think that while they, they didn't necessarily say that blocking the current college football playoff expansion model was the reason that you need the Alliance. I do think that that probably was like the top of the list of reasons that all these schools said, yeah, let's, let's pause this. Let's not just necessarily like, play into the SEC's hand, um, which, you know, this is kind of the one area where you really say, I, I don't want to say they're like anti-SEC, but maybe anti-SEC having complete control over the college football landscape and ceding some of that control to ESPN and who knows what that does for them with their deal with ESPN going forward and just it's kind of a mess and everything is a mess. So don't make any major decisions. And that's why when you're not really saying that publicly, just one more reason that there's really no contract that these conferences signed to kick off this whole alliance. Um, because what's that going to say? Like, we all commit to vote against changing the college football playoff for at least two years. It's like, well, do you really need to sign something that says that? Because guess what? You can have 20 members defect and you're still probably going to be just fine. Um, and why would they defect in the first place? But 
you know, SEC media is going to do what it always does to the rest of the country. Um, I'm not going to lie. It feels pretty good to have the Big Ten and the ACC kind of at our side and saying things like that at this point. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of all the college football playoff stuff. I do think it's going to expand. I don't necessarily know that it's going to be 12 teams. I think that they're kind of going to start this whole process over again. And they might even this time around say, hey, we can't just be having, you know, six teams of the 12 being from the SEC. We're just not going to do that. And so we're going to put a cap on it. Or we're going to make it smaller or whatever. Um, But we're not going to know for a couple years. I'm confident saying that. Um... So there's the college football playoff stuff. A lot to talk about with the scheduling alliance and what that means. The easy answer is that we don't really know yet because the alliance started today. And that means they're just now going to start meeting to figure out what that looks like and how how do they make it um, so that's beneficial for everybody. Um, Worth noting that uh, I think it was Klyovkov who said, you know, this, this alliance, it wasn't formed with like revenue in mind. This isn't about doing what we can to make as much money as possible. Um, You know, again, uh, the phrase that came up a lot today in both of these press conferences was preserving the college model, which doesn't necessarily mean what it always meant in the past. You know, in the past, when you hear that phrase, it kind of meant, well, that just means student athletes. I guess that was the amateur model. They always called it not giving money, but the preserving the college model, you know, it's doing what's best for the sport of college football. Which, you know, if you're Colorado, what is best for Colorado football? More games with Nebraska. Because college football is about rivalries, and that's your big rival. And the fact that they didn't play for a decade, that's not what's best for college football. It's just not. What's best for college football is those two teams playing. And that's something that I think is going to happen quite a bit more thanks to this scheduling alliance. And I actually asked Rick George about that today. Um, And we're going to get into all of that stuff. But first, Hassle Cattle Company. Um, If you haven't checked out their website yet, go to H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. See all the different products that they have to offer um, because it's really good Wagyu beef. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship everywhere. Um, They make it affordable, and that's kind of their calling card. That's why they call it blue-collar Wagyu is because they want everybody to be able to get their hands on it. Um, they have smoked sausage, New York strip, beef, bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, a couple of different jerky flavors, their hamburger, one food networks, Northeast burger jam. And that hamburger is available at the DMVR bar. Uh, the menu is now expanded. There's a few different versions. I recommend the Bronco burger is what it's called. Um, it's like onion ring and barbecue. I'm actually kind of like a traditional burger guy. Like typically if something says like there's barbecue sauce on this, I say, no, that's not how it works. Supposed to have like American cheese or cheddar cheese on a burger, some lettuce, some pickles, some tomatoes, and then like ketchup and mustard. Maybe a little mayonnaise. That's like, I really like mayonnaise and that's why. But um, I went a little bit out of my comfort zone with the Bronco burger, which has like the green chili cream cheese and stuff like that, onion rings. And it was really good and it was worth it. And it doesn't have me changing. It's kind of like my opinion about like, uh, what they call, like Hawaiian pizza. Everybody was asked, like, uh, does pineapple belong on pizza? The answer is no. Pineapples do not belong on pizza. But I do like them on pizza. 
and I will eat them on pizza, and they taste good when you eat it, but do they belong? No, they aren't supposed to be there. And that's kind of how I feel about some of the other stuff, but it is still really good. The point is, you can check it out at the DMVR bar. You can also check out their Wagyu beef just by ordering it yourself, and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. Just have to use the code DMVR10 at checkout. And they're also giving away a $200 gift card and a cooler. Uh, that deal, like, the, the they're about to do the drawing. And so get over to the DMVR Sports Twitter page. There's a link in our pinned tweet, and you just click on it. You can enter, and you might get a $200 gift card for Wagyu beef and a dope cooler. So don't miss out on that. Okay, so now uh, the scheduling part of the alliance. And to me, this is probably the most exciting part. Um I think that this really makes a lot of sense. Um, I think in particular it makes sense for the, 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 the not, I don't want to say lower tier schools, but just not for your Ohio States and Michigans and brand name programs. I think this is really good for the rest of the college football teams. And I think that that's why I'm kind of excited about this alliance is because when they say they're doing what they think is best for college football, figuring out what that means this is one of those pieces that kind of proves to me that that's what it's about. Um, and we'll have to see what the scheduling alliance actually looks like and those sorts of things. But when you look at how scheduling works in Power 5 college football, it's hard to get brand name programs to go to other campuses. You know, Bama's not going to play a road game against a good team. And unless it's in conference and they have to and that kind of stuff. They're, they're going to force it to be neutral site. They're going to be that kind of way, and that sucks because that's not the way this is supposed to work. And so who knows, again, how this will work out. But the idea is that you're going to get to play all these teams, and Pac-12 teams are going to get a chance to play the Big Ten teams. And Ohio State's going to be going to Pac-12 campuses. They're going to be going to Pullman, Washington. They're going to be going to Cal and all these different places that I think that for a bunch of different reasons, they decided not to in the past. Because if you're Ohio State, what you need to do is just only lose one game so that you get to go to the college football playoff. And that incentivizes a certain type of scheduling. And I don't think that scheduling with the end result of getting the best possible season result is always what's best for college football. You know, what's best for college football is a bunch of really good college football games. And with all the schools in charge of their own scheduling, sometimes you get away from that and into, okay, we're allowed to play one FCS team and have it count. Let's make sure we do that. Let's uh, see who we can bring onto campus. It'd be all right to get a good win. We can we can schedule Oregon to come here. Um, going to Oregon, that's tough. And I think they actually did do that. No, uh, maybe No, I don't know that they did. I have to look through those schedules. But even like the Oregon-Auburn game, everybody's excited about it. It's like... Auburn would only play that game if they played it at the Cowboys Stadium in Texas. And there's a pretty big bias toward Auburn compared to Oregon when you play a game down south like that. Um, and I think if, if every individual athletic director was kind of left to his own devices, he's doing what's best for his football program when it comes to football scheduling. And that's great, and that's absolutely what that athletic director should do. But I think what's better is having a body that kind of comes in over the top of all of this and says, let us handle some of this scheduling and make sure that we get some good games in here 
and we'll be able to sell the rights to these good games and it will increase the value of our TV deals to all sorts of different partners and that will be good for us in the long run as well as, you know, just having good college football is good for the game in the long run. Um, and that to me is what's most exciting about this is, again, it's not going to be a hugely drastic change, but Michigan's going to be going and playing true road games. Ohio State is, USC is, Oregon is. Clemson is going to play games all the way out on the West Coast, and that's not something that would have happened without a scheduling alliance. Now, we don't know what the details are, um, but in general, big fan of this concept for those reasons. Um, and from a Pac-12 perspective, it gives the conference more opportunities um, because in particular, it's hard to get teams to go East. It's really hard to get the SEC out of that little SEC bubble but it's hard to get just about anybody to go past the mountain time zone. And for the Pac-12 in particular, I think that that's a really good thing um, because when it comes down to it, when you look at how teams are ranked at the end of the season, there's a bunch of different pieces of the puzzle, but one of the big ones is, okay, what did you do, Oregon? You want to be in the college football playoff. What did you do? During the season, in your non-conference games, you know, you, sure you beat up on the Pac-12, but was the Pac-12 good? And so you start by saying, okay, Oregon played whoever. Um, sure, you beat, I don't even know, the Montana State, because we don't like hearing about them winning. You beat uh, New Mexico, um, and you played Ohio State close. Okay, maybe you do get in. Um, but then you get to look at what does the rest of the Pac-12 do? Um, Washington State gets to play Vanderbilt. Oh, look, they were able to win that one, you know, and, and having the chance to set to, to just kind of figure out where these conferences fit together by playing more non-conference games. I think that that benefits the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is seen as the very bottom team. I think it hurts the Big Ten for the opposite reason, because the Big Ten has to say, OK, well, we could just not play any non-conference games play a full conference schedule and people would just assume that our teams are the best and that we would have won those Pac-12 games. Now they're actually being played. It gives a chance for these other conferences to just show where they are. And I think that that's a good thing um, from a Pac-12 perspective. Getting into how this is actually going to work, again, we don't know, but we can make some guesses. And here's, here's the first piece of the puzzle that I think has to get solved. Right now, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten both play nine-game conference schedules. I know that the Pac-12 is really considering going away from that. We heard that at Pac-12 Media Day. There's a, a new committee that's made up of all the athletic directors and all the head coaches, head football coaches in the conference, and they're going to figure out, going rule by rule and procedure by procedure, how they can change what happens in the big in the Pac-12 to give the Pac-12 a, a better chance of getting teams in the college football playoff. Things like, what time should games start? Do we want to have these early morning and late night kickoffs? Maybe we want one but not the other. Let's spend a lot of time looking into that, finding experts on that, deciding and figuring out what is best for getting teams into the college football playoff. They're going to do the same thing, talking about the nine-game schedule. And I think that the odds are they're going to say, yeah, this isn't good for us. We'd be more likely to get teams in if we had an eight-game conference schedule. I think divisions, the North Division, South Division, probably lose those designations. 
Um, and that stuff is all getting figured out. I don't know if there's a push in the Big Ten to switch to an eight-game conference schedule. I think that part of the appeal is that the Big Ten has one of the biggest media deals. I mean, it's the biggest outside of the SEC. And by going from nine games to eight games, obviously you're losing, um, what, there's 14 teams, you're losing seven games worth of that revenue. Now, you're also replacing that with seven alliance games, um, games against Pac-12 teams, games against ACC teams. I think that for the Big Ten, they probably lose just a couple dollars on that. For the Pac-12, I think you gain just a little bit of money doing that kind of stuff. Um, so, first of all, the first domino here is, do the Big Ten and the Pac-12 both just say, okay, we're going to eight-game conference schedules, and all of a sudden, starting in 2022 or 2023 or 2024, whenever they decide that kicks in, Every one of our teams has one open week, and we can use that to schedule Alliance games and get this going right off the bat. Because if they don't do something like that, I mean, college football scheduling works in a way where you're not able to really make any significant changes until, you know, eight, ten years down the road. I think that um, Rick George today was asked about that, and like whether you're considering like getting rid of some of those games, canceling those games, pushing them down the road, whatever. Um, and he said, no, we're not looking at that right now. I think it's important again to uh, remember what would happen if he said, yes, we're doing that. Well, then all of a sudden you've got Georgia Tech saying, wait, they might cancel on us. We better cancel on them first so we're not put in a position. We still have time to go and find someone, whatever. And so it just makes sense to say that regardless of whether that's true or not um i have a a note here where did i put that note okay so right now colorado they have games booked as far out as 2038 and they don't have an open date on the schedule until 2029 so that means that to schedule more games, and specifically games against Big Ten and ACC opponents, they couldn't do that until 2029. And then they have, I think, I think the first weekend of the season is open, and then they're booked in 2030. Um, another option, I guess, would be to say you're switching to a 13-game schedule, and you're just going to add one more week at the front of the season. I personally wouldn't mind it. Um that just came to me right now, um, but that could be an option. But the other piece of the puzzle is this. Colorado has Big Ten opponents scheduled 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, so they're pretty close to being able to make this happen already. Um, in terms of ACC teams, they played Georgia Tech in 2025 and 2026. So not nearly as many. And again, it's because it's really hard to schedule those games across the country. Speaking of which, uh, Rick George actually mentioned today, just kind of in passing, that one of the appeals is that uh, you get to play in all four time zones. And there's value in that, especially as we've seen Colorado recruit the East Coast more. Um, 
specifically up north, but again, they're they're in on guys down south too. Obviously, like Ashad Clayton being an example of a guy they actually landed. So if they're able to play some of these ACC teams like you know Miami or Clemson, um, Florida State, uh, who else is down? The Georgia Tech in Atlanta. That's good for them for recruiting purposes. And as Rick George mentioned, also because there's more eyes on the program um, from national media. And the national media is important in college football. They vote on a bunch of awards. They vote in the AP poll. And I guess they aren't part of the college football playoff committee, but that stuff still matters in terms of your how, how you're viewed as a program. Playing games where they're more likely to watch them, that's a good thing too. Um, but yeah, so when you look at the scheduling, how exactly this works, and you know, the first option obviously is just say, well... This is a long-term play. We're trying to do what's best for college football long-term. And what that is is making sure that we're playing competitive games against good teams from all these conferences and providing a good product. And we can start doing that in the late 2020s and into the 2030s and from then on. They might also be able to find ways around that. Um, The most exciting part, I think, and what really catches your eye, I think, is a Colorado fan or in my I mean, I'm not necessarily like a fan, but I follow Colorado and want fun things to happen. Um, It says this in this release. The Football Scheduling Alliance will feature additional attractive matchups across the three conferences while continuing to honor historic rivalries and the best traditions of college football. So Nebraska. Um, Nebraska's on the schedule, what, I think 2023 and 2024? Um, I asked Rick George, like I said, you know, is this something that, um, you know, it's still early, but could there be some more of these Nebraska games because of this? And he said, oh, no, my notes are just not organized enough. Oh, there we go. Um, It's too early for us to have those discussions on who we play more often Um, but we certainly like our tradition and rivalry that we have there. I think what this alliance will do is, one, we will protect those historical rivalries, but at the same time, we'll probably create some rivalries as we move forward. So I think it's an incredible opportunity for us to really put some great marquee games out there every year, but, you know, maybe to start the season, finish the season, mid-season, but again, we'll look at all of that as we start moving forward on this alliance. Got some other games in there, obviously. Michigan, there's some history. Um, plenty. There's a lot of history, and that's true with other ga- teams. And so I do think that there's a rotation, but, you know, you guys probably do know, but Colorado always played Nebraska Thanksgiving weekend, last weekend of the season. The fact that Rick George threw that in there, I mean, what do you say? Maybe to start the season, finish the season, mid-season? Hey, I think that there's a chance that something cool could happen. And the truth is, what is best for college football when it comes to Colorado? I think the best thing that Colorado could do for college football is start playing Nebraska Thanksgiving weekend again. And if that's the goal here, I think that there's a real chance that happens. And we'll see how that works. And maybe it's a two years on, two years off. And then you play other Big Ten teams those other years. Maybe it goes to a seven-game conference schedule and Nebraska becomes one of these teams. Maybe um, all these conferences say, hey, we're not so worried about your record in the conference. We want to know your record in the alliance. And that means we're only going to play 
four or five conference games, and we're going to play four or five non-conference games against the other teams. There's so many different ways that this could go, and I really think that whatever they choose is going to be a, a lot of fun and good for the sport, and I trust them when they say that. Um, it also goes beyond just football. Um Here's a line from the release. In women's and men's basketball, the three conferences will add early and mid-season games as well as annual events that feature premier matchups between the three leagues. The three conferences will also explore opportunities for the vast and exceptional Olympic sports programs to compete more frequently and forge additional attractive and meaningful rivalries. You know, I think that obviously they weren't just going to make this football only. That's just not the way it works. And even if it was the way things could work... I think that when you're adding the ACC, if you're just having to play all those football teams and you don't get any of the benefits of having Duke and North Carolina in basketball and some of those other programs too, Louisville, they've, they've got some good programs out there. That is a key piece of their value. Um, and I don't know. I, I have no idea what this will look like. Um, and there's a good chance that what it means is there's four crossover games for each team every year. And it'll be simple as that. But I also think that they're going to explore bigger possibilities. Um, you know, here's a quote from Rick George. In all of our sports, I think you can create some multi-team events, whether it's men's or women's basketball, or if it's soccer or cross-country. Um, yeah, and that's all the quote that I have there. But uh, what would that look like? Could they just throw together uh, another basketball tournament? What if, what if you know, you have non-conference play that starts, what, like, we'll call it October and runs through late December, and then conference play goes late December through uh, early March, and then you've got the tournaments at the end. Well, in the NBA, they're talking about having this tournament where they take a pause at the middle of the season, and they just play a full league single elimination tournament. What if you did that with the Alliance? You have those 41 basketball teams and you just put it like starting, I don't know, December 17th and runs through like the 26th and you, or maybe you have the championship on Christmas or something, Christmas Eve, since the NBA kind of runs Christmas. And then you wind up with a conference play starting the next week. And you just have all these teams play a tournament. It'd be a lot of fun because the tournaments are the best part of college basketball. And sure, you've got little ones. What, the Buffs are going to Paradise Jam or whatever. But you could put together a pretty large-scale tournament and you think about the teams involved. You've got UCLA and USC and Oregon and Colorado's right up there. And from the Big Ten, you've got, I mean, Ohio State and Wisconsin's been good and what Indiana has not not been good, but they should be good, and it's a branding program. The the ACC, you've got Duke and North Carolina and all these programs. That could be a lot of fun, that tournament, and you could probably get people filling out brackets and doing that kind of stuff and making it a tradition and bringing all these teams to the same place and making a bunch of money off of it. Um, again, it'd be a big idea, but I'd also be surprised if this isn't at least floated. I think I think at some point somebody does say, hey, what if what if we did try this? And they'll probably shoot it down because it is a crazy idea, but all of this is now on the table in a way that it wasn't necessarily on the table before. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, 
you know, the other piece of that was like, well, what if they had like three alliance games before that tournament and they use that for like pool play to seed the tournament and they have that kind of storyline going on in these non-conference games, then obviously all that tournament would factor into, you know, RPI or whatever they call it now. And I don't know, just uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Whatever happens is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, that's that's exciting. And I think that today was definitely a good day for college sports. And people make their jokes. And the SEC will, in particular, be making whatever jokes they make. And they're that's just what they do. Just what they do. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on any of this, obviously hit the comment section. We'll get to some of those. And, yeah. Uh, like I said, tomorrow's that big media day. Going to be talking with a whole bunch of football coaches, a whole bunch of football players reporting back at some point, maybe get some key notes out before uh, or, or with Matt McChesney when we do our podcast tomorrow afternoon. Um, it's a busy week, and we're 10 days from football season. And we've got that tailgate on Sunday, and that's going to be a good one because those teams do not like each other, and also one of them is number one in the country. So come out and drink some free beers with us. And that's going to be a lot of fun, and I'll see you then, and I guess I'll see you tomorrow with Matt, too.